Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, and we're streaming live at WCEV1450.com. Uh, if you are just tuning in for the first time, you can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And take a moment to subscribe to the podcast where you will find us just about anywhere you get yours at. We're definitely, we're definitely on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and SoundCloud and TuneIn. Uh, look for us once again at Radio Islam USA. All right, Radio, Radio Islam family, it is always a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we've got a lot to discuss today uh, on our program in a, in a limited amount of time, so we hope that we can get through everything that we want to uh, today. And we want to start out first by um, first by talking about uh, this word, this word narrative. And this is an important word right now because there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of Muslims uh, in in America in the United States where we're talking about narrative we're talking about reclaiming the narrative uh, reshaping the narrative taking control of the narrative around Islam around what it means to be a Muslim in the United States what it means to be a part of a, a global faith uh, what that means to be active and engaged in community and politics uh, in society in general. And uh, this conversation could not come at a more uh, at a more important time. So first off, when we look at this word narrative, um, you know, we're talking about a spoken or written account of connected events, a story. That's that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a story. And uh, Sometimes you hear people when we're talking about past events, past narrative, past accounts, where people will say his story and not to uh, not to 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 make a pun or a play on the word. But really, there's a lot of truth uh, in this when we think about his story, not 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 history. Right. Because history. What's the old saying? History is written by the victor. And it doesn't really matter what happened in that moment if the story that's told does not reflect all the nuances all the complexities uh, if it does not give the context if it doesn't give uh, if it doesn't give a, a, a real and accurate rendering of what has taken place so history is written by the victor by the victor and his story is not always your story or my story. So we know so much of our present day, uh, the present day atmosphere or public sentiment. It is based on history, the, the national consciousness. Uh, it is based on the narrative of history. When we talk about patriotism, we talk about uh, America being number one. We talk about America being the land of the free and home of the brave. Um, these these have been uh, imbued into the fabric, the, the, the mental and the, the psychological consciousness of Americans through storytelling. And each and every time we 
we, we sing the national anthem. We're really, we're singing a story. We are singing a, a narrative uh, that, that underscores how we see ourselves, how we see one another as, as fellow citizens, whether we see one another as fellow citizens, how we engage one another, how we see the rest of the world. Do we see the rest of the world as partners or as interlopers? We, do we see immigrants as adding to or taking away? Do we see a divide between faith, between ethnicity and language? All of these things, all of these things are part of the, the narrative uh, and we inherit narratives. And the narrative today, when it comes to Muslims, and, and I should say, we, when we, we inherit narratives, uh, which means that we inherit values sometimes. And if we don't look at these inherited narratives through a critical lens, then we begin to, we develop a worldview and a view of ourselves that may not be accurate. So this is an extremely important time, uh, in particular for Muslims. Uh, in particular for people of color, in particular for immigrants. This is a very important time. So when it comes to narrative, when it comes to Muslims in the, in the United States, uh, I'm going to begin just with this one segment. Uh, what is the narrative, right? What is the narrative around Muslims? Now, I know it, it would be very easy for us to just jump right to uh, Islamophobia, but Islamophobia does not exist as an eternal constant uh, that requires no, no prodding, no promotion. So we have to say, what, uh, what is the narrative? What is being said about Muslims? And this depends on who you're listening to. Right? Your answer to that question depends on who you're listening to. So let's listen to what we have always looked at. Uh, in our democracy, in our society, as the as the voice of leadership, as the as the supposed voice of leadership, the one who is supposed to be the elected official, the supposed to be the president for the United States, and not the president for simply one particular state of mind. So let's listen to some of his thoughts on what he contributes to the narrative around Muslims. Do you think Islam is at war with the West? I think Islam hates us. There's something, there's something there that there's a tremendous hatred there. There's a tremendous hatred. We have to get to the bottom of it. There is an unbelievable hatred of us. In, in Islam itself? Uh, you're going to have to figure that out. Okay, you'll get another Pulitzer, right? But you're going to have to figure that out. But there is a tremendous hatred. And we have to be very vigilant. We have to be very careful. And we can't allow people coming into this country who have this hatred of the United States. I guess the and, question and, is... And of people that are not Muslim. I guess the, the question is, is there a war between the West and radical Islam, or is there a war between well, the West and Islam it's itself? It's radical, but it's very hard to define. It's very hard to, to separate, because you don't know who's who. Donald J. Trump is calling for it. Now, listen, you got to listen to this one, because this is pretty, pretty heavy stuff, and it's common sense, and we have to do it. Remember the poll numbers, 25 percent, 51 percent. Remember the poll numbers. 
Okay, so remember this. So listen. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what the hell is going on. We have no choice. We have no choice. We have no choice. According to Pew Research, among others, there is a great hatred toward Americans by large segments of the Muslim population. Most recently, a poll from Center for Security Policy released data showing 25% of those polled agreed that violence against Americans — these are people that are here, by the way, people here — 25, not 1 percent. By the way, 1 percent would be unacceptable. 1 percent is unacceptable. 25 percent of those polled agreed that violence against Americans here in the United States is justified as part — think of that — as part of the global jihad. They want to change your religion. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not going to happen. So when we listen to the President of the United States make statements about Muslims uh, and paint us in a light that turns us into the uh, into their enemy. What's happening is we're witnessing national. I shouldn't just say national, but we're, we are witnessing solidarity uh, that is being formed around a rejection of Muslims, a rejection of Islam uh, and painting Muslims as the threat. And, and of course, we realize that there is a psychology uh, that Trump is employing that has everything to do with uh, emotions. It has everything to do with a segment of the population's resistance to change. It has no factual basis. It has no factual basis uh, whatsoever. Now, there was uh, an article that was on Vox, uh, Vox.com, and it was about a year ago. I think almost exactly a year ago. And it was in response to Trump's Muslim ban, saying that it would not help security, but would only marginalize Muslims. Now, I'm not telling you anything new, but sometimes the obvious has to be stated to let us understand that what we think to be the unthinkable, what we think could not happen, is actually at our doorstep if we allow the narrative around Muslims, around who we are, which is quite diverse when we talk about that definition. But if we allow that narrative to be controlled by somebody else, then we are putting ourselves at the mercy of whatever their intent is. So the piece was written by Zach Beecham. And one of the things that he referenced uh, was a study that was done by a researcher, I think, from North Carolina. Uh, it, was a it was a study from January of 2017. 
Um, and the uh, sociologist's name is, is Charles Kurzman. And he tallied up data on terrorist attacks committed by Muslim Americans. And this is important. It's in, the, the data is important because when Trump threw out this whole idea of the Muslim ban, it was it was a, a half-witted response, or not even a response, it was a half-witted attempt to stoke the, the, the flames of, of fear uh, among people who, in most cases, had had no prior uh, interaction with a Muslim. They knew no Muslims, they knew nothing about them, but what they saw on television, right? So it's, it's Islamophobia uh, 101, right? Speak to the person's fear uh, and get them to rail against folks that they, they don't even know, but they've been told by those who are in authority that this is the problem and this is what we need to do to keep you safe. We need to keep them out. We need to keep eyes on them and we need to, uh, we need to reject and resist them. Anywho, so Charles Kurzman, uh, he tallied up the uh, terrorist uh, uh, attacks and the data that he came up with from his study said it found that only 46 Muslim Americans defined in his study as Muslims who lived in the U.S. for an extended period of time were linked to violent extremism at home or abroad in 2016. And the total Muslim American population, this is important here, the total Muslim American population uh, at that point. Still, I would say it's, you know, still is 3.3 million, 3.3 uh, million people. So of those 3.3 million, we're looking at 46. And of those 46, only 24 were actually implicated in concrete terrorist plots. And the others did things like attempting to travel to Syria to join ISIS. Uh, and those plots, they did claim lives. They claimed 54, li 54 lives, and the vast majority of which came in a single attack, 49 of those. Referring back to the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando. Now, Kurzman also looked specifically at immigrants and Muslims whose families hail from the countries that were targeted in the travel ban, in, or the Muslim ban, let's call it what it is. And he reports that there were no, there was no um, affiliation with, there was no evidence, no data, which supported the idea that there was any type of a propensity for terrorism. So I also want to add from that article, it says, um, by, by contrast, that roughly 11,000 Americans were killed in gun homicides in 2016. Yet Trump has never proposed banning guns. I'll read that again. It says roughly 11,000 Americans were killed in gun homicides in 2016, yet Trump has never proposed banning guns. Now, we already know. If you're listening, you most likely, either you're Muslim, you know Muslims, you want to know about Muslims, uh, you want to see that uh, the same complexity and diversity that exists in every other segment of, of society with every other group, it also exists within the Muslim population in the United States of America. And within that diversity, there's a, there's a diversity of, of, of thought, of, of practice, expression. But for the most part, almost, uh, almost 100%, right? Because if you're looking at those 40, what did I say, 49, I'm sorry, 46 Muslim Americans that were related to that study out of 3.3 million, if we're going by data, then 
how can anyone argue that Muslims are in opposition to America? How can anybody argue that that our goal is to you know is to uh, exact violence on our fellow citizens? I mean that's absolute it's absolute nonsense. But in that question, there's a, there's also another really important point for us to look at, and that is moving from the narrative, moving from the stories that other people tell about you, tell about us, but then to also look at the stories that we tell about ourselves, what we believe about ourselves. Now, you could look at some of the uh, some of the media coverage, some of the statements that are made by. Uh, by pundits, by elected officials, by some of these talking heads that are out here uh, that are, you know, obviously anti-Muslim, anti-Islam. Uh, and, and they do it because it strikes a chord with a uh, with a group that really knows very little about Islam. Uh, and usually, as I say, they don't know Muslims, but it strikes a chord with them. Uh, and, and we have to just you know, got to just put it out there plain and simple. We're also talking about people who hold beliefs, not just about particular uh, about Islam, but they hold beliefs about people of color, about black people, about Jews, about um, about about every other. Just, just start picking off boxes. Any other identity that is marginalized, they hold beliefs that that say that these are folks that shouldn't be here uh, either. So the narratives that other people, the stories other people say, right, it's one thing, but the stories we tell about ourselves, that becomes the, that's that's the deal breaker. That's where the real pushback uh, happens. And I have to say this directly to, uh, to our Muslim listeners, to the Muslim uh, part of the, the Radio Islam family, is that if you are not voting, if you are not registered to vote, if you are not aware of the positions of those who are seeking, who are seeking to represent you, your family, your children, their children. If you are not informed, engaged, if you are not ready to go out and vote, if you are not talking to somebody else and making sure that they are also engaged, informed and ready to vote then you are a part you are part of the of the problem now i know that there are folks there, there are some folks who have some different ideas on the voting process but i'll say this if you're here in the united states of america and you understand the history of the united states of america as to who was given the vote who was given the the, the, the opportunity to participate in the direction that this nation would go in, then you realize that this right to vote is nothing to make light of. So when we talk about voting and the importance, uh, the importance of voting and the importance of knowing the history of that struggle, the struggle to, uh, to be a part of the, uh, of the system, to be a part of uh, plotting the course for, for the nation, right? To be a part of the nation, to be recognized as, as an equal part, to be recognized as an equal voice, to be valued as a voice, right? To have your needs, your concerns uh, spoken to, not to be overlooked, 
to be simply subject to the desires of others who would plot a course for you without you being able to uh, to be able to be to be able to uh, speak up, to be engaged uh, in a process. Uh, when we talk about that history, it's a it's a very it's an ugly history. Uh, and it shows that. There's always been a segment of our uh, population, there's always been a segment, I mean, from the founding of our nation that has looked to exclude the majority, that has looked to exclude the majority from participating, right? So the right to vote, uh, at the outset, it was given to white male landowners, white male land landowners, that was it at the very beginning. It was not, it was not something that was open for the the general public at large there were conditions that were placed upon that and even after uh even after the uh emancipation uh emancipation of the enslaved uh, africans here in america and we saw the creation of the freedmen's bureau and we saw education we we were into the uh, reconstruction uh, era and we saw an an unmatched level of engagement and participation and success among the African American community uh, in the uh, in governance and that had to get rolled back really quick and and it, and it did uh, it, it got rolled back you know we saw the introduction of the the black clo uh, black clothes we saw uh, disenfranchisement. We saw, um, we saw rights and privileges and access uh, snatched away, and we saw the ushrings of uh, Jim Crow, and we saw the uh, terroristic activities of the Ku Klux Klan, and we saw things like grandfather clauses and literacy tests and all types of things that were uh, that were brought up as obstructions. To keep, to keep black folk away from the polls. And for those who did dare go towards the polls, they found, well, sometimes they found uh, that their lives uh, came to an end. Right? So there was a violent, there was a violent resistance that met the most uh, marginalized segment of the population who tried to inject themselves into the political uh, process who wanted to be heard and wanted to, to advocate for themselves. And this was a long and hard fight. It was a long and a hard fight. So I bring this up for the simple purpose of reminding, reminding us that sacrifice is not something that belongs in the past. It's not, it's not the possession of the past. Uh, I, I know that we all feel like we're really, really busy. But I want to point us back to 2016, the 2016 uh, election and some of the things that were said that go in direct opposition to what we're talking about right now. And this is all this is all related back to narrative. It's all related back to narrative because. What you say about you matters. What others say about you. It matters. But if you're not saying anything about you, then what others say about you 
that becomes the truth. That becomes a story. And you become subject to the, uh, uh, the, to the impressions, to the biases, uh, to the neglect of others. So that almost sounded like a little, little strange little, uh, a little tongue twister for a minute. Um, but 2016, the 2016 election, um, we were faced with a what many felt like was a really difficult, uh, difficult decision. Uh, the public image of both candidates, even though, uh, even though I'm in, in my own my, my personal uh, observation, I still did not see them as being uh, on the same playing field, on the same level by by any means. Um, say what you will about policies detrimental, extremely detrimental and harmful policies of the Clinton administrations, uh, particularly with regard to mass incarceration of, of African-Americans, uh, three strike uh, rule, um, uh, social services uh, cuts. Uh, so say what you will. Right. And I am I am as upset looking back at those things as I think as anybody else, any other individual, any other person of, of conscious uh, and particularly being coming from a community that has been uh, disproportionately uh, affected by those terrible decisions that he made and that I really don't feel like he's really ever truly apologized or made amends for or tried to work to undo the damage that he is, you know, that, that, that he was a part of, uh, of, of wreaking on the African-American community. That said... Trump was never was never an option for me on a on a on a personal personal note. And uh, I know, you know there may be some of you listening who, you know, you looked at him and you thought, well, give him a shot. He he might be okay. There may be there may be some of you listening who think who are in agreement w with the, the stances uh that he takes. Uh and, and to you, I, I say search your soul. Uh simply because of the the manner in which that he does things, uh, the, the the way that he carries himself, his his aversion to truth, uh, and uh, the fact that he undercuts, he undercuts and undermines uh, what it means to have a democracy or or, or to attain uh, a democratic existence. Uh, and one of those things that is that is necessary for that it is free speech, but it's also uh, a free pet, uh, free press, uh, and and when we say free speech, we're also talking about responsible speech. Um, but he is he is an enemy to those things, and he has branded those who who stand for um, who 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 stand for transparency um, as enemies of the people. So anyway, looking back to 2016, so I want to bring this back to voting, bring this back to narrative. Um, take a listen to this clip from uh, there was a campaign was, was not that long ago just two years ago right uh, where folks were trying to encourage African Americans in particular um, not to vote in the 2016 election as a matter of fact no 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 let me, let me jump back uh, this was a campaign that was encouraging people not to vote period so let's, let's take a listen. I ain't voting until Black Lives Matter. Voting is a right many have fought and campaigned for. But in the extraordinary 2016 presidential election, 
there's been a rather extraordinary turn of events, a campaign for people to not vote. I'm saying stay at home or go in and write I ain't voting and on the ballot until your needs are met. Not only are people unsatisfied with representation, there's also dissatisfaction with the candidates. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are the most disliked candidates in history. Who do you vote for? It's two horrible choices. Beyond horrible. Well, I feel like you're still an American. You still should use your voice. Um, of the two poisons, one is slightly better. I feel, I mean, you should cast your vote either way. I'll vote, um, but I might have to put a clothespin on my nose when I vote either way. The question is, will it have any effect? And so my thing in this election is all these people saying, oh, wow, I don't like the candidates, maybe I won't vote. No, they'll vote because at the end of the day, for most of them, they're going to see, wow, these candidates are wildly different. And that's what makes this election interesting from the perspective of what's going to happen with turnout. With just over two months to go until polling day, Clinton remains the front runner. But the race is close within the margin of error. And that might be enough to drive people down to vote. So what I found really interesting about that, uh, first of all, uh, it 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 um it listed Hillary Clinton as the front uh, front runner, you know who knew, right? Uh, very few people uh, who did who publicly predicted uh, the Trump presidency. Uh, but that's really not the point here. The point is that the strategy of believing that you can withhold your vote and that by withholding your vote that you're going to have the change that you desire, uh, you can agree with me. I mean, you can disagree with me, and that's fine. Uh, but I, I think that's really a backward way of thinking. Uh, it simply means that you are not in the conversation. And and speaking as an African American, uh, we've gone through uh, we've gone through lifetimes, lifetimes of not being a part of the conversation, of our concerns, our issues not being addressed, um, of being subject to somebody else's whims and uh, whatever their uh, agenda is. So that's not an option for me. That's not an option for me. And if I engage the other aspects of my identity, if I look at my identity as, as a Muslim, that's also, once again, not an option. That's not an option. Not when we started off. We started off uh, just just listening to a few of the a uh, uh, few of the the ideas, few of the sentiments of our now president uh, Donald Trump on Muslims, on is on on Islam, uh, and he says, "I believe Islam hates us." Uh, and you know, part of me wanted to laugh at that because I'm thinking, uh, I don't know anybody. I've been, I, well, actually, I know somebody. I know a couple of people last name Islam. Um, and you know, I've never heard them say anything about hating America. Uh, but just as, as this idea of trying to personify Islam, Islam hates us. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but the point, point being, we are now 26, what, 25 days out from the election. We're 25 days out and midterm elections are, there's generally very, uh, the turnout is not the same for uh for presidential elections but 
here's the thing when it comes to not being a part of the process thinking that by withholding your vote that you are actually taking a stand uh you are really you're taking a seat and you're really just making you you're casting a vote right it's it's like uh in in robert's rules of order when you're uh, voting on something and you choose to uh when you choose to abstain you're going with the majority understanding that you are already situated as a minority in a country that where most people don't know a muslim and they have made their uh their minds up about what who muslims are what islam stands for what muslims want based upon the rantings of people who who simply see that by stoking the the fears of uh, uh, the flames of, of fear, of suspicion, that they can divide, and by dividing the people that they control the people, then you you've got to see that that's just a that's just that's that makes absolutely no sense. That's not a a legitimate strategy. That's not a, a, a legitimate way to engage uh, the, the the current time that we find ourselves in as a minority. There's no way you can afford to uh, to walk off. Just not not possible. Makes absolutely no sense uh, in my book. So, like I said, we're about 25 days out. And when it comes to the narrative, because this, this does go back to narrative. And I, I, I mentioned that uh, one of the most important things is the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves, what we say about ourselves. And how we vote says something about ourselves. And what does that say? Who we send to represent us. That says something about us. So that means that uh, that means that we have to be a part of the process. We have to engage uh, those who are seeking to represent us. Because they represent us. They represent our families, our communities, our children. They represent the the possibility of our children attaining uh, a future, uh, attaining, uh, having a successful future, a, a future where they are integrated, uh, respected uh, as, as members of the of, of the of society. And I'll bring us back. I'll give us a quick reminder. Once again, looking back at the history, the Jews in Germany. Did not believe the great majority of them did not believe that Hitler would act on what he said he was going to do. They did not believe that they, they, they just thought he was, you know, he, he's a showman. He's just trying to rile people up. Can't afford to stay home. Can't afford to sit it out. You can't afford to believe that history cannot repeat itself. So the unthinkable, the fact that the fact that we can think of it makes it not unthinkable. So when it comes to uh, our narrative, our narrative begins with how, how, who we send to represent us. And that us that I'm talking about, I'm, I'm expanding. I, I like to think in, in, in broader terms um, that us that I'm talking about is people of, of, of conscience. That us that I'm talking about is people who recognize that the aspirations of America, the aspirations of the United States 
uh, have not been met. They have not been met yet. And there's a there's a generation there that's going to be responsible for really allowing that to uh, to come to fulfillment or at least for us to be on the road to, to knocking down some of the obstructions that lay in front of us to have that. So we got about 25 days. We got about 25 days to let our narrative be one that says that we are not going to be pushed back, pushed out, pushed around, uh, that we're going to remain engaged, that we're going to remain um, hopeful and dedicated, that we're going to sacrifice in the same fashion uh, that, that those who came before us sacrificed. And we're not going to let go of, of our responsibility to to contribute towards the betterment of this country that we all call home. All right. So, fam, we're going to take a going to take a short break. But keep that in mind. Let's let's keep thinking about that. 25 days out. Uh, we'll take a short break. We'll be back in a moment. This is Radio Islam. We're on WCEV 1450 AM. What are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck for Dave2037 so he can buy anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman. What are you getting Steve2037? Steve2037 will be just fine. Well, okay, but don't expect to borrow my anti-gravity boots. Save something for the future. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM. Um, for those of you who are new to the Radio Islam program, uh, you should also note that we are streaming at WCEV1450.com. Uh, keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Look for us at Radio Islam USA. And also take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. So we are wherever you get your podcast at. We're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, SoundCloud, iTunes. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. Keep it easy. Make it consistent at Radio Islam USA. All right. Now, most of you who have been listening for a while, you know, by the sound of that background track, uh, that means that it is time for the job support. So each week we check in with our friends over at the Chicago Urban League and we talk with employment specialists extraordinaire Kimberly S. Pearson and we get the rundown for all of you Chicago area job seekers those of you who are looking for new employment your first employment different employment uh, whatever your situation may be but we touch base with her each week and she gives us the rundown so we are happy to have Kimberly S. Pearson on the line with us now how are you doing Kim? I'm good. How are you today? I am great. Great. So uh, what what great news do you have for the job seekers out here in Chicagoland? Absolutely. I have some good ones. 
Uh, first up, uh, the Art Institute of Chicago. They are one of our favorite employer partners here at the Urban League, and they are hiring for their warehouse position. So it's not at the actual museum. This is more of a back-end position. Um, I have all of the details here for someone that's interested in applying, but it is a full-time position. Uh, the hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. until 4 p.m., so you do get your weekends off. And this is something that would cater more to someone who's looking to find work just through the end of the year, maybe until the first part of the year. Um, the position is expected to last at least till January 25th. Uh, warehousing experience, or previous experience rather, it's not preferred. I'm sorry, it's not required, but definitely preferred. Okay. Uh, so don't let that discourage you. If you're interested in applying, you can contact me directly at kpearson at the org, or you can give me a call at 773-624-8800 to get more details and information. Uh, Can TV, Chicago Access Network Television, they are seeking a part-time training coordinator to teach local residents the skills needed to produce local programming and using Can TV's equipment and facilities uh, doing that work. If you are interested in applying, you can send your resume and cover letter to HR at KMTV.org. And pay for this position is $15 per hour. Um, it is part-time, but it is a great position for someone that's looking to break into the world of TV and video production. So here at the Urban League, of course, we're all about empowerment to employment, but we also do a lot of community events. And we have an event that we have coming up tomorrow evening that is just so important to every citizen of Chicago. Um, it is called the Community Justice Initiative Kickoff. We have been involved with this initiative, and we are finally able to roll it out and uh, give it to the community like we need to, and it's called the Legal System in You. And in this, uh, it's a forum, it's a kickoff, uh, it's going to be a lot of politicians, a lot of people in the city that you would consider a stakeholder, and it's talking to individuals about uh, their rights as a uh, citizen of the city, something that I just found out uh, through getting educated about this event. If you are arrested in the city of Chicago, you have the right to an attorney, a free attorney of char, uh, free of charge, not a PD, not the same thing, but an actual attorney. There are organizations here that will help you. There is information that you'll get. There is language that you will learn to know your rights as a citizen. There's so much that uh, people in Chicago need to know and don't know. As a, as a citizen and what their actual rights are. If someone comes, if you're, uh, if the police comes to your home and they want to search or search your vehicle or pull you over, there are rights that you have and you can exercise them. And this event is tomorrow. It's here at the Urban League at 4510 South Michigan. It is from 4 p.m. until 7 p.m. Um, you can RSVP with us at 773 8800 or you can just come. We encourage as many people as possible. Uh, there will be food served, and we're also going to have a raffle. Uh, so just a, a few things we're using to help get the word spread and, and have people go ahead and um, come out and just learn more. This is, it may not be employment, but it's definitely something that as a Chicago resident and a resident of the state of Illinois that people need to know. 
also in the spirit of employment. Tomorrow and Friday here at the Urban League, Amazon will be having walk-in hiring events. Usually, uh, Amazon hiring events are closed sessions. You must complete the application ahead of time, but not for these events. They are really ramping up. Uh, this will last from 9 a.m. until 3 p.m. both days. You do not have to complete an application ahead of time. You do not have to have a resume. You do have to be prepared to do the application when you come. Uh, bringing identification is definitely going to be helpful. And then you also have to be prepared to pass a drug test. So all of these things would happen if you came in for the event. Again, it's tomorrow here at the Urban League and then also again on Friday. If you miss the opportunity on one of the days, you can come on the other. Uh, the positions are for the warehousing associate position. It's multiple locations in and around the Chicagoland area. It's great for individuals that's looking for employment, uh, also looking for part-time employment, looking for flexibility because you pick your own shift. And that's one of the biggest uh uh, caveats because individuals are able to work hours that work for them and not most places of legal employment will allow you to do as such. So <laughs> definitely come out for that if you are interested. And also Jewel in the Woodlawn area. They are looking to hire. That's Jewel Osco. They have a new Woodlawn location. Uh, they have an event coming up on this coming Saturday at Fisk Elementary School from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. And then again on Tuesday the 16th and Wednesday the 17th. All three dates are at from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, the location for those, for the job fairs for these positions, on Saturday it's going to be at 6020 South Langley. On Tuesday, it's going to be at the Jewel on 87th Street and also on Wednesday. Um, so it's 87 West 87th Street, and I'm pretty sure that's the location right off of the Dan Ryan. That's my uh, guess. Yeah, that sounds um, about right. That is, <laughs> okay, okay. And it is for a host of physicians, uh, management as well as staff levels. So these will be job fairs, so you want to dress professional and make sure you take your uh, resume with you. If these opportunities sound lucrative to you or not, but you're still seeking assistance with gaining employment, making sure that you have a good resume, that you have a good interview, sharp interviewing skills, you feel comfortable negotiating your pay, all of these are things that we can help you with here at the Chicago Urban League. So definitely come out, learn more about us, our Urban Tech Jobs Program. They have a brand new cohort that's off to the runs, which started today. Uh, but they are still recruiting because they have another cohort coming up. Um, you can learn all about that as well as the other uh, new and exciting programs uh, here at the Chicago Urban League. Every Thursday at 9 a.m., you can come for orientation, bring your resume and two forms of ID, and we are here to serve you. That is awesome. Thank you very much, Kim. <laughs> no problem. It's always a pleasure to reach. Trust me. All right. Un until next weekend, or next week, excuse me. I'm already looking forward to the weekend. So uh, until <laughs> next week. <laughs> so uh, take oh, care. <laughs> And we'll, we'll talk next week. <laughs> Absolutely. Have a great one. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. 
That is our jobs report for this week. We hope that it has been beneficial. And as always, you may not be looking, but you probably know someone who is. So share that information. Share, share, share. Um, Yeah, we're going to go ahead and take a short break, but we will be back in a moment. This is Radio Islam, and we're on WCEV 1450 AM. You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedinamerica.org hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq el and we are still on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. Remember to keep up with us on social media, and also look for us wherever you wherever you get your podcast. Getting a little tied up here. Uh, at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. All right, so we are coming to the uh, to the close, and I knew that um, I knew that this topic of of narrative was going to be something that we were going to have to. We'll be spending some time um, to talk about to continue talking about it because it really is that important. Um, and I know we did a little break with the uh, the jobs report, but I want to take a moment to talk to you about a few events that are coming up. Um, actually, a couple that are this weekend uh, with the Adams World Live show uh, and on the 27th, the Sound Vision uh, Benefit Dinner. And this is not your typical dinner in the sense that, you know, we just come together, we eat, we listen to a few speeches. Uh, it really is the, the thrust of it and the folks that we have that are joining us that really make this this dinner, this event uh, special and worthy of your consideration and your support. But before I get to that, let me go ahead and just tell you a little bit about uh, the uh, events that are coming up this weekend uh, and the uh, the Adams World Live show. So there's going to be two shows. And let me pause myself. Let me pause for a moment and tell you, first off, these two things, matter of fact, all of these uh, things that I'm talking about right now, they are definitely, definitely related to uh, narrative narrative once again storytelling right storytelling being able to transmit values uh transmit ideas um and and ideals uh to people uh, it, it comes in 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 various forms and art has always been an extremely important uh and a critical part of that transmission so that being said adam's adam's world it falls under that umbrella you know, of, of art. It's one of those vehicles that has been used for for over 
for well over um, well over 20 years uh, to educate, to sensitize, to inspire uh, young Muslims, older Muslims, um, as to um, younger Muslims, older Muslims. Uh, it is it has been one of those vehicles that has been uh, extremely extremely important. So starting out with the the DVDs, you know, and now we're uh, at a point now where we have these live shows, which are interactive and, and engaging, uh, and dealing with timely subject matter that is relevant to our youth. Um, a great deal of the budget of Sound Vision, over fifty percent of the budget, is really has been relegated towards youth development youth development uh, and youth development it means protection right because you cannot develop what you don't protect you have to give the right uh, environment the right circumstances uh, for that develops development to take place that means we have to deal with the issues that our young people are dealing with the majority of our young people uh, speaking specifically to Muslims the majority of our, of our young people do not attend Muslim schools, right? We're talking about our elementary school, high school, the majority of 10 public schools, the public school system. Uh, and in the public school system, depending on where they are, they may find themselves um, the recipient of, of, you know, of bias, you know, of negative bias, of anti-Muslim bias. They may find themselves in situations where they're dealing with people who are, uh, who are responding to them based off of the anti-Muslim rhetoric uh, that is that is floating around, that's out here, uh, that that is so prevalent in in some spaces, that is unchecked by people who don't know Muslims, who don't know anything about Islam at all, um, but they act out on that manufactured bias. So, bullying has been, uh, as a matter of fact, that's the the theme. It's an anti-bullying uh, show. This uh, Adams, uh, this Adams World live show, and as I said, it, it's it's engaging, it's informative, it's inspiring. It is one of those things that is needed for our young people to be able to see, and we encourage, highly encourage. For this is not something that you just want to send your children to, but it's something that you want to watch with them to be able to talk with them about it. So, art also has a way of allowing us to segue into conversations that we might not feel as comfortable having uh, on our own or we might just we, we may not feel like we really have the tools so you can look at this as a tool uh, as a tool in your toolbox right so this uh, Saturday at Zakat Foundation and the time for uh, for that one is going to be at 4 p.m. and that's Zakat Foundation for those in the Chicagoland area Zakat Foundation is located at 7421 West 100th Place. That's in Bridgeview, Illinois. And the tickets are only $5, right? Just, I mean, that's a minimal cost and it makes it cost effective for uh, if you've got multiple children, right? You can bring your children and some other children with you. Bring your nieces, your nephews, uh, whatever, but allow them to come out and see uh, see that show and, and get that message uh, and not be deterred by bullying, which is which has taken on a new form uh in in today's generation you know it is not like it used to be uh you know you get smacked upside the head and that was about it um or taunted but now it's with 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 the uh, development of social media 
uh, it really is like a, it's a 24-hour cycle, uh, and it's you know it's just it's a different it's a different ball game today. So we have to adapt uh, and 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 move on and and, and just you know uh, take it as it comes. Uh, on Sunday, at Villa Park, uh, Islamic Foundation. Um, that's going to be at that, that's at 39 East East St. Charles Road in Villa Park. And that one is going to be at 3 p.m. So the one the day before is the Cop Foundation of America. That's at uh, at 4 p.m. And the next day in Villa Park is at 3 p.m. Same price, five dollars. So that's extremely important for us to uh, to get out, let you know about, share with you. And if you're interested in having a live show, Adams World Live, come to uh, your location, then you can contact SoundVision. Go to SoundVision.com. And, um, and 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 just put in your uh, request there. So uh, more than happy to travel around and bring the show to you. And on the 27th, a benefit for Sound Vision, uh, the dinner that I'm telling you, uh, it is not your typical dinner. Um, our keynote speakers will be Linda Sarsour. Uh, she's the co-chair of the historic Women's March, uh, as well as Amr uh, Kauji who is a video editor and producer at AJ Plus, Al Jazeera Plus. And, um, and of course, Imam Malik Mujahid, uh, who is the uh, leader of Sound Vision and Burma Task Force. But this is really situated around the idea of us being present, not folding ourselves into the shadows uh, and contributing to and controlling, not just contributing, but controlling the narrative of Muslims in America. So it's, this, is, uh, this is extremely important. We hope that you will join us on Saturday, October 27th, 6 p.m. Ashton Place, that's 341 75th Street in Willowbrook. Join us for a very powerful uh, program. We hope to see you there. You can go to SoundVision uh, and get your tickets. Info at SoundVision.com. You can call 1-800-432-4262. Uh, and uh, we hope to see you there. But we're going to continue this conversation. We've got 25 days uh, until the election, and we need to make sure that folks are energized and uh, engaged. We'll continue to talk about narrative uh, and the responsibility that comes with being uh, with being a citizen, right? So that being said, it's time for us to call it a day. Uh, we thank you for tuning in, and we thank our engineers over at WCEV for making sure we come through loud and clear. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. Uh, we remind you that the views expressed by the host and or guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. We're going to leave you now as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.